Good morning, Flagler. The doctors are in. I'm Dr. Scott Cleos. And I'm Dr. Andrea Cleos. We are here once again to talk about your health and health issues right here in Flagler, Volusia, and St. John's County. Did you watch the Super Bowl no. last weekend? Me neither. <laughs> I was in bed. I was on call that weekend, and it was one of the worst calls I've ever had. It was just constant and nonstop. And a lot of it was because I was getting called at night. But I think a lot of uh, the... Uh, increased activity that I'm seeing is just due to the sheer increase in the population that we're experiencing here in Volusia and Flagler, St. John's John's counties. I mean, you know, people are moving here in droves and it's going to get worse. I mean, I guess that's good for the local businesses, of course, but, uh, you know, we've got to be prepared for the onslaught. You know, patients going to hospitals around here now, it's ridiculous. They've got to wait forever to get in. And yeah, well, if, they're in the emergency room forever. Yeah, they've got to wait in the emergency room. They can't even get a bed, but uh, uh, it's going to be interesting what happens. I mean, good for, good for our county, but, you know, we have to be able to accommodate the influx of, of patients and the population so that we can take care of these people when they when they show up in the ED. Big word um, this past uh, week as they finally admitted that Biden has an issue. Like, we didn't know that, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it's mind-boggling to me that you can see that everyone just ignore not everyone. I mean, there was a lot of people who've been accusing him of having full-on senility, which if you're in the medical field, I think you could recognize the early signs of of some kind of dementia, even when he was vice president. And that's what was mind-boggling to me, is that how 81 million Americans could vote for an individual that has clinical signs of uh, dementia, you know, whatever kind of dementia it is. And, you know, the government is what it is. These people lie, cheat, and steal to get what they want. And, you know, they get themselves in power and they make a lot of money doing it. But I think it speaks volumes about our fellow citizens who are so blinded by their conviction to a particular party that they're willing to put uh, anyone in that position to represent their ideologies. I mean, it could be a monkey. The monkey could have probably done better. I mean, you know, and it's just it's just pathetic that it's come to this point in space time that, you know, we put common sense aside <laughs> and basically... Uh, let our uh, decisions be made basically by our convictions. And that's it. There's no common sense with any of this. And I, I'm really mad at all the people who've basically been hiding this, all the sycophants who have been around Biden and telling him what to do and hiding that from the public or attempting to hide it. And that's what's insulting is that, you know, they think we don't know what's going on. It's like, guys, what? No, what, what, we can watch this. You know, the, anyone who's in the medical profession can say, that guy's senile. I mean, you know, for whatever reason. And it's just, it's, it, it, he, he's in the highest office. He, he holds the highest um, uh, office in the free world. I mean, you know, he's the president but, of the United States. But that States. just goes to show you the president doesn't run the United States. Yeah, but regardless, that guy is making decisions, all right? And I think any time, and it's not like they haven't hidden, you know, president's ailments in the past. FDR had polio, right? I mean, that guy was paralyzed from the waist down from a childhood illness, and he and his staff did their best to try to hide that from the American public. But that's a different entity. I mean, you know, he didn't want people to look at him as crippled or, you know, incapable physically, but mentally he was intact, right? Uh, Reagan came down with Alzheimer's after he left office and, you know, maybe he had an element of it when he was in office, but 
I didn't see any clinical signs of that at the time. But when he was diagnosed, he was very open with the American public and said, you know, this is a new chapter in my life. This is what we're well, going to live well out. that was well after he left yeah, office. Yeah, it was yeah. after he left office. But, you know, to keep supporting a, an, an individual, and, you know, it's not that I'm against Biden because of his political convictions, although I don't agree with most of them. It's just that, you know, as the president of the United States, that person is the ambassador for us to the rest of the world. So that means Camilla Harris comes in. I don't know. I mean, and, and she's just a hot mess. I mean, that woman can't even make a sentence. I, I don't know if she's, I don't think she's senile. I just don't think she's very bright. But, um, you know, the, the problem is going to be, you know, putting someone up there that's respected. And, and I don't even know who that is anymore. You know, I think the choices of uh, politicians that we have, uh, it's just tough. And Trump, I mean, we, my, uh, my savings accounts and my uh, retirement accounts were doing great. And his ideologies, I believe in, but, you know, he is a megalomaniac that can't, you know, calm himself down. I mean, you know, and that's the problem. And I know people who've been pretty dedicated Republicans who just don't like Trump because of how he acts. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but I think Trump, what was appealing to him the first time around uh, when he was president is that that guy told you what he was thinking. Whether you agreed with it or not was irrelevant. He told you, which I found refreshing in a politician because normally they're, they're telling one group one thing and then they go to another group with a different ideology. They tell them something else. Trump said the same thing every time. <laughs> so you may not agree with him, but you knew what he was thinking. But he's definitely not a good debater either. No, I mean, and that's the problem is, you know, when, when I saw him and Biden sitting up there during the presidential debate, I'm like, Guys, this wouldn't even pass a high school debate team. I mean, this, this is pathetic. And, and, you know, it's just, uh, it's just, it's surreal to me. I mean, it's just absolutely surreal that we've come this far down that we're willing to accept this as leadership. I mean, just, and, and unfortunately, we got the same type of, you know, incompetence in every section of government in the House and the Senate, and they're ruining everything, healthcare. I mean, you know, we're intimately involved in that. And I think that they have basically socialized our American healthcare system to a point where it's unrecognizable. I mean, even in our relative short careers. And I think that the system isn't serving the American people well anymore. You know, it's not no longer the best healthcare system in the world. They have um, brought it down to the socialistic, you know, equal sharing of misery, if you will. <laughs> so, and I hear people complaining all the time. They don't even see a doctor. They're just, uh, you know, lucky if they see a PA. No one really takes charge of any situation and no decisions are made. So patients are just left out to dry. And, you know, we had the experience with my dad. Did we talk about that? My, my father had, to, he was up in Virginia. I won't say the system, but uh, first, he was in a little podunk hospital in southeast Virginia, and uh, I get a phone call from his girlfriend, and uh, you did bring up the gallbladder, severe abdominal pain, and yeah. they told me he they thought he had diverticulitis, and I'm like, well, unusual in the hepatic flexure, but it, I've seen it, I've seen it in the ascending colon and even the transverse colon, but. Okay. And so they started treating him for that. And then he was kind of not getting better. And then they did an ultrasound. They said, well, we think he's got diverticulitis and he's got cholecystitis. And I'm like, okay, it's probably one or the other. My suspicion is he's got cholecystitis. And since that's, you know, right up there next to the hepatic flexure, it's probably just inflaming the adjacent bowel. And that's why it looks the way it does. Turns out that's what he had was cholecystitis and he had some gallstones and, 
you know, they put us draining him like they were supposed to with the promise that he was basically going to be, um, you know, treated in a relatively short amount of time, which didn't happen. And he had, you know, complications after that. And without our intervention, I think he would have just been a regular patient who would have been lost in the system and kind of floundered his way through until he got really sick enough for someone to actually do something. And unfortunately, that's healthcare in America right now. You really, if you have somebody in the hospital or you're, you're in the hospital yourself, you really need to pay attention. They're given medications that are not the right medications or given our friend's uh, mother, a 101-year-old woman who we've talked about, Ophelia, on the show before. She's in the hospital and... Um, they actually were treating her for diabetes, even though she didn't have any diabetes. They would give her insulin. And she was like, why are you giving me insulin? And Emma actually said, I'm giving her snacks to help increase her protein levels. And so it's going to raise her sugars. So if you just check a random blood sugar after someone eats, it's going to be high. So And then they'd try to give her insulin. So good thing it never dropped her sugars too low. But we finally got that off the chart and off the recommendation to continue to check sugars. Um, so you just, it's not necessary sometimes to continue to check sugars in someone who's not a diabetic. So sugars will fluctuate just like a diabetic's will. But obviously if they're diabetes, you want to keep their sugars under control. Yeah. Unfortunately, you have to have an advocate when you go in that hospital. And, you know, if it's not a medical professional, you have someone who's a family member who can advocate for you. And I hate to say this, but it's the old squeaky wheel gets the oil paradigm. And, you know, if you sit back and just let things happen, um, I don't think the outcomes are going to be favorable. But if you have, and I'm not saying go into the hospital and show your ass, you no, know, you don't want to no. do that either. But, but help, you want to be out. reasonable and rational and, and, you know, demand an explanation. Say, guys, we're, we're confused about which way we're going here. We don't understand what the plan is. Can somebody please come in and orchestrate you know, the care for my mom, for my dad, for my brother, for my sister, whoever you're there with, and just have somebody explain it to you, someone who knows what they're doing, you know, pref preferably the attending physician on that service. They can take a couple minutes out of their day and come in and kind of fill you in. I think that's part of their job. I mean, every day I have to sit and explain, get informed consent from patients and their family members for a procedure I'm going to do. And that's my opportunity to interact with the patient and their family, introduce myself, and explain what we're going to do and actually show them that I care. I mean, that, that's the most important interaction you have, maybe even more important than the procedure itself, because they expect a good outcome. And, uh, you know, you're going to do your best to provide that. But if you don't have that, you know, a priori relationship, if things don't go well, you're going to have a problem because all they have is anger with no explanations, with really no direction of what, why things are happening or what direction they're going. And that's when patients, you know, call up and get litiginous or whatever. So, you know, communication is paramount. And unfortunately, um, either we have a new breed of doctors that don't know how to do that or they don't have the time. I'm not even yeah, sure it's what it is. probably a combination. Yeah. So, but... Anyway, Andrea's still going strong, trying to save everyone uh, from their own bad habits, one person at a time, and doing a great job. Yeah. You got a lot of people losing weight lately. We do, and it's really, it's really interesting. To, and we start having people using that Ozempic or Wegovy, and they're like, you know what? I, I'm just not eating. I'm like, right. You just the big point is you just don't need to eat. But the flip side is you do need to eat right when you do eat. So you know. 
I try very hard not to use Ozempic and Wegovy. Ozempic for my diabetics and Wegovy for weight loss, which is the same drug, basically just a different name. And the Wegovy can increase in the actually um, the dose amount. But the reality is all it's doing is it's curbing your appetite. But if you're eating poorly, you're eating unhealthy foods at lunch and dinner, and now you're just eating less of them, that's going to help your weight loss. But really what the power of healing is really helping you make a better choice in the food you eat, trying to eat more vegetables, trying to eat chicken, fish, and turkey. Um, you know, it's really interesting. Sometimes I talk to patients and they're like, Dr. Cleese, you don't understand. I just don't like any vegetables. So then we start marching through, well, okay, I can eat carrots. Uh, okay, I can eat string beans. Okay, I can have some tomatoes. So we start off with just those vegetables. And then we try to get them to eat real protein, like eggs or chicken or fish. And it's really cooking. I think a lot of people just don't have time or don't know how to cook. And so sometimes it's, you know, talking about, you know, taking out a frying pan and putting in some olive oil and some onions and garlic, chopping that up, add some salt and pepper, sauteing that till those onions turn clear in color, and then adding your fish to that. You may want to put some paprika on the fish or another season or spice, saute that, flip that fish back and forth until, you know, it tastes, it's good. Or you may put shrimp on that, you know, on that pan. And those shrimp will then turn pink. And those shrimp you put aside and add to your salad or the fish you put on your salad. Actually, you want the shrimp to turn white, I think. Well, first white and then they turn pink. Do they? Yeah, yeah. I don't see pink very well. Yeah, you don't see your I always thought the pink was, was meant that it wasn't cooked. No, no, I no. I wait no, for pink. it to turn white. That's what I well, do. Well, that's when your I'm color pattern. But actually, your your shrimp turn pink. when Once they start cooking, they turn pink and they kind of curl up. And so... They get kind um, of an orange color on the outside, Or don't orange they? or pink, whatever you want to call it. But but then those you put on your salad or you put on your plate and then you have Hopefully your... Hopefully, I haven't been serving you raw shrimp all these no, years. No, no, no. Your shrimp is perfect. You get yeah, amazing. I guess I know what you know color they should be in my mind. There you go. <laughs> well, and then the if you look at the fat part of the shrimp, the meat is white, but well, I also rim butterfly. Yeah, I always butterfly them too, so, so I can see it. But no, so anyways, it's, it's, and it's fun. I mean, we live yeah. in Florida, so you know, if you learn how to cook these seafoods, it's exciting. I mean, I actually All sorts enjoy of different, it. Wonderful seafood. Seafood. And you can blacken and, it. You can season it with nuts. You know, make it encrusted. I'm more of a purist. I don't like very many spices. I just like the basics. But we do like uh, we do like um, that uh, new bay seasoning. Uh-huh. The new bay from our buddies down on. Uh, I'm going to give a plug to these guys because they're awesome. We've talked about them before, but uh, the Macker Brothers down on um, Mason Mason Avenue. If you go down there, it's Macker Seafood. It's two brothers that own this place. Fantastic. Oh my gosh. They, Much rather you go there than Bucky's. Yeah. Bucky's for the gas, but not for the food. Yeah. But, but they make, they, they do, they have a steamed and a fried menu. And what I love about it is the steam menu is done to perfection every time. So if you ever get a chance, go down to Macker's, get one of their steamed uh, dishes. They can get crab legs, you can get shrimp. I mean, and they have a, a seafood market next to so you know everything's fresh because it comes right out of their seafood market and uh, they just do it to perfection and that you know i i always appreciate someone who does like a southern boil and then everything is cooked perfectly because you can't just throw that stuff all together because timing it's timing because the shrimp cook much faster than you know than the eggs and the potatoes and so but they do it great so macro seafood on mason avenue just near the uh, railroad tracks down in daytona beach all right we're going to take a quick break if you have any questions for myself or dr andrea you can email us at the doctors in 
D-O-C-T-O-R-I-S-I-N at WNZF.com. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Radiology Associates has been a trusted name in Volusia, Flagler, and St. John's County for over 50 years. Radiology Associates is the first and only radiology provider to bring our neighbors of Flagler County 3 Tesla MRI, 64 slice CT, and time of flight PET CT in our Palm Coast Imaging and Town Center Imaging locations. This is our community. Our doctors live here and strive to provide only the best care to you, our neighbors. For more information about Radiology Associates, visit us online at radiologyassociatesimaging.com. And we're back for those of you just joining us. We started off this broadcast talking about the president and his the new revelation that he's got some serious mental issues, which we've known about for probably six years now. <laughs> so, But now the rest of the world's finding out about it. I and, think the rest of the world knew too. Well, you know, uh, we all suspected, and you know, those of us in the medical field, like I said, suspected even more. Uh, but, you know, the fact that they just propped him up like a little puppet for the last four years and had him go and, and dance like a, a monkey on a, a grinding machine. What is that? Those little grinder things. That uh, the, the music. The, the music, music thing. Yeah. Uh, it's just pathetic. I mean, that they would try to dupe the American public like this. And I think everyone involved should have to, you know, answer up and say, why would you do this? You know, what was the rationale if the guy was well, then unfit? What are they going to do? The American it, people voted Andrew, for him. he was unfit for office. When someone, We have rules and regulations for someone being unfit. Unfortunately, the second in command, the second in line was probably also unfit just because she's not very bright. But, you know, you go on down the line. Then the Secretary of state, you know, and there's a, there's a whole, you know, process that's in the constitution of how we deal with this and the constitutional rules and regulations were basically ignored. And you've got all of these little people in the inner circle who are just using him as their puppet for the last four years. And, you know, it's just insulting. And I think there should be some punishment so it can never happen again. It's like, guys, if you do this, you know, I mean, I think the president should be, um, you know, we should, there should be mandatory physical and mental examinations done every year by an independent entity just I like suspect just like probably. Host- yeah but they got to make that stuff public and then say is he fit to maintain office right. because if he's not i mean this guy controls nuclear weapons yeah. <laughs> you know it's like okay this is not like you know you're playing monopoly here this guy's the leader of the free world i mean it's just uh, you know uh, this this country's pathetic absolutely and our leaders are pathetic all of you, okay? I think we need, to, we just need to start over. Give the place an enema, flush all the, you know, the... You never know, the, God the might do that, so we to be careful. <laughs> Good, we'll start over. We'll just elect a whole new, um, uh, you know, um, uh, legislative and, uh, and uh, executive branch and just, you know, begin again. You start, Pro- start out with the Supreme Court too? Yeah, do the whole thing, you know, the judicial, the legislative, yeah, do, just start over, you know, because the problem you now is you've got people who have been indoctrinated into this, 
this um, the, cheating this or che- yeah this this culture of right. cheating and self-serving and it's hard to get out of it and yeah. it's like being in like you know the old VA system and not to denigrate your VA but you know when you and I were in there the the thing about the VA is no one wanted to work hard so if you came in and worked hard you made everyone else look bad so they didn't want you working hard you know and that was the problem back then nobody wanted to do any work so nothing ever happened until they finally got called out publicly and they've improved I want to say that they have improve, but it's still, you know, a bureaucratic government run entity that's got inertia. And, you know, the government is the epitome of a bureaucracy, right? I think it's hard when a system is so large to clean house and reorganize. It is if you don't have leadership that demands um, uh, that demands excellence. You're right because it starts with leadership, and that's with any. Even when entity. you have really good leadership, no, Andrew- I think the system gets too large. And, you know, the hand doesn't know what the finger's doing, to be honest with you. True. And because the system is so gigantic, the finger is so far removed from the hand that it can't organize it. It can't control. It tries to control it, but it really doesn't. But the problem, again, is, you know, in years past, generations past, promotions were based on merit. You know, it was a true meritocracy. You got promoted based on your ability. Now, you know, we promote people because of their longevity. That's not even because of their ability. You know, you're there long enough, you move on. It's really based on who you know. Well, they, it's not supposed part. to be, but it is. Well, it's, and you know, I can tell you, I worked for the government myself. And once you get to a certain GS level, you know, I think it's above GS 12, then you have to be in a management position. So if you want to progress up the government, you know, employee ladder, uh, then you have to eventually be in management and they got to find a spot for you. So, you know, if you, if every part of your corporation is, um, is run or is managed by the most competent individual, they are going to maintain excellence in their particular section. But once you start losing that, you know, hierarchy and you don't put the best people in leadership positions, then it falls apart, right? Because if your leadership is the problem, it's like, it's contagious. You know, I always say that uh, enthusiasm, you know, is, uh, is infectious, you know, but negativity is contagious. You get one person that's contagious, oh, they takes destroy the, a whole destroys system. a whole section, right? Yeah, because really it's just, does. especially if they're the leader and that's what's happened in our government and people have become so complacent. I mean, things that we wouldn't have accepted, you know, 10 years ago, we just shrug our shoulders and like, yep, that's a mess, but what are we going to do? And that's, we've become complacent and, and it's, horrible and i hope we wake up from this nightmare sometime soon and actually take back our country and then start making it you know what it used to be uh, the greatest country on earth right but i don't know maybe we should just start with medicine i'm doing the country maybe too much for you and i yeah well and i we think can we can even medicine. do with medicine i think we can handle the circles that we're in which is what i try well, to do well that's what you can do love my vets love my people yeah. take care of people motivate them to change their lives without pills Sometimes we do need pills, but we try to change and understand how to get away from them as much as we can. But I think, you know, maintaining your personal enthusiasm and then surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded is going to markedly improve the patient experience. And I can tell you, you know, my group and radiology associates, I mean, you know, we're a business, but we do care about... um, we do care about our work product and uh, we strive for, you know, 
some level of excellence. Um, and I think, you know, if your primary objective is to provide a top-notch service, the uh, profits will follow, right? right? If your primary objective is making money, everyone figures that out really quickly. Right. Because, you know, you see some group, especially a physician's group, and you can tell they're all about the money because they don't care. You know, when you really need them in an emergent situation, it's the middle of the night, the guys that are all in it for the money, you know, they'll say, well, I'll see them in the morning. Or even better is, I'm just covering tonight. You know, whoever's on tomorrow will see them. That's my favorite, you know, because that's what's happening. They can't get enough coverage because they're not paying these guys enough. So they have these, you know, locums come in, which means they're basically being paid a lot of money to cover night shift and stuff like that. And they don't want to do anything. I mean, unless the patient is absolutely dying, nothing happens in the middle of the night. And they'll say, yeah, just, you know, the guy who's on in the morning will see him. So there's never, ever any semblance of responsibility. It's not like the old days where you came onto a service. There were two guys that ran that service. And basically, their livelihood depended on, you know, the... Um, Remember, the that was their community. That's right. You know, when, when we had our own private practices and we saw our patients in the hospitals... Um, it was a different environment because we took care of our neighbors and our friends and our friends' friends. And that's why it's nice to be still in a small community. We still, Scott and I are always getting contacts, calls and asks for assistance with their families or their friends to reach out and who we know in the hospital that might be able to represent and, you know, or check behind what's happening. That's the benefit of being in a small town community. But more and more, when, when we do try to call and contact people who are working, if they have that mentality, the nine to five mentality, or they don't really, they're not really connected into the system because they're just working there as a hospital worker. They don't have that bond to the community. And that's the reason why we've stayed part of the the county medical societies, both in Flagler and in in Volusia County, because then we get to know the doctors, they become our friends, and the community is our friend and our family, and we want the best for that community. So when we support county medical societies, that becomes very, very important. Yeah, I mean, you know, the problem is now getting the younger people to, you know, buy into that mentality is impossible, because, you know, there's no better way of as well employees. Yeah, there's no better way to disincentivize somebody than to employ them. Just give them mind. a salary and you're you done. You just say, hey, this is what you're going to make a year. These are your obligations. So all of a sudden, they become very lackadaisical and they don't really, you know, go out of their way to accommodate anyone. They're, it's all about themselves. And that's where we are in medicine. So, but, you know, I keep hoping the pendulum is going to swing the other way, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon until we actually demand, you know, excellence from everywhere from the educational system all the way up to the leadership in our hospitals and our uh, local governments and our federal government, you know, but if we keep settling for mediocrity, that's the lives we're going to be destined to live, right? Right. So we should always strive for good things and try to be the happy person and the energized person and the positive person to make good change in your circles. That's right. And after I just spent the last half an hour just uh, on my soapbox, uh, 
complaining and, you know, whining, I'm going to go back to being happy after this. And I hope you guys do the same, right? <laughs> we want you to be the positive force in yeah, your community. Yeah, you go back after listening to this, go, you know, kick the dog, do whatever you have to do to get out of your system. No, don't kick the dog. Don't kick the dog. No, no, no. Okay, kick the neighbor's dog. No, no, don't kick any dog. Just know that you can make it better and have the faith that do you can. Do your part. That's, That's exactly right. right. Everybody needs to do their part. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. If you have any questions for myself or Dr. Andrew, as always, you can email us at the doctors and DOC. T-O-R-I-S-I-N at WNZF.com. Stay happy. Stay healthy. We'll see you next time. The doctors are out. The Doctor is in Radio Show, paid for by Radiology Associates.